Yeah. So, okay. Uh, yeah, we all, I think, have done this at one point or another. Where we start doing a one-upmanship kind of thing. You know, it's like uh, we start comparing. It's, it's kind of a silly boasting kind of thing. We get sucked into it. At least we used to when we were young and immature, but now we're too wise and mature, right? Uh, but we start comparing experiences and we try to top each other. We start talking about cars we owned, right? Well, I own this and I own this, I own this. I remember once uh, Robert McDowell was here speaking and he was, he, he, was, he was building up this car he had in high school and he goes on and on. We're all sitting like this waiting to hear the car and then he says it was a Nova. <laughs> and we were all, you could hear this group what? <laughs> that may have been a really cool Nova, I don't know, but, uh, you know, we, 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 we do that. Well, we start comparing scars, you know, I've got, oh yeah, well, I've got, watch this one, oh yeah, well, look at this one, or, or, uh, or we start talking about broken bones or something, and, and it's always, it's always got to be, well, yeah, well, my experience, well, my experience, it's like we're not actually listening to what the person before said because we're too busy waiting for our chance to share because we feel we can top their story, and, and then you get into that contest with someone who you realize I'm just going to shut up now <laughs> because this guy's experiences I can't compete with. It, it, it's just, you know, it's beyond me. It's like I, I, I would talk, I've had, I've had my share of broken bones and stitches and things like that, but when I get around Terry Anderson, <laughs> I just shut up <laughs> because the guy's been run over by a tractor. <laughs> it's like, man, it's like, okay, I can't compete with that. I just, you know, I'm not going to go there when, when we're there. One of the strangest things, what's that? Was it a combine? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a tractor, man. Okay. He, he won up, his story won up my story. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> One of the strangest things we find in Scripture is the disciples are walking along, arguing about which one of them is the greatest. And Jesus is with them. <laughs> it's like, what do you, it's like the seven dwarfs arguing about who's tallest, you know? It, it's, it's like it doesn't make any sense. Jesus is with them, and they're arguing about who's the tallest. Shouldn't that, you at that point just be humble? Shouldn't you just say, I'm going to be quiet and not even think about this? Because Jesus is here. My focus should be on him, not on me and what I do. But sometimes, here's the thing. As Christians, we sometimes do the same things. We get caught up in looking at ourselves and comparing us to ourselves. And we find that pride comes into our Christianity. And it does not belong there. Humility belongs in our Christianity. Today's passage tells us to take an honest look at ourselves. And if we're going to boast... Let's boast about Jesus, okay? So I'm going to read the whole passage, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31, five whole verses. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are, uh, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So let's start with a reality check. He says, consider your calling. 
And, and within the church, in Christian circles, that, that, that phrase, when he says, consider your calling, it could cause confusion right off the bat, because in Christian circles, when we hear the word calling, we think of what you are called to. Or I've been called to the ministry, or I've been called to the pastorate, or I've been called to missions work in China, or I've received this call. And, and we think of the call as what we are called to, but that is not what he's saying here, because he talks about what we were called from, what we were before we came to Christ. He says, consider that. Not many noble, not many wise, not many mighty, not many uh, rich. Uh, not many of us were those things. Uh, context makes it clear that's what he is talking about. And first he says, recognize that you are not, you, first thing we need to do is recognize that we are not what we were. If you have come to Jesus, come to Christ, if you have been changed in him, if you've been saved, you are not what you were. He says, not many were wise, right? As I look at that passage, he says, uh, for consider your calling that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty. Okay, the implied is were not many mighty, were not many noble. God has chosen the foolish things. He says, he is, and so all of those are past tense. That, that's the point I want to make out of that. All of those are past tense. We were not these things. At least not many of us were. You know, maybe some of us were. Some of us, maybe some of us were somebody in the world. Maybe we were impressive people. Not many of us were, though. Most of us were just kind of ordinary people, right? Most of us were not the world shakers and movers and, and all those kinds of things. He says, you were not these things. Uh, they, they become, those distinctions become largely inappropriate in the church. Yeah, once we become, come into the church, it is not what we were, it is what we are. We are a family. You know, in a family, you, you, you go to the family reunion, right, and you don't call your sister a uh, doctor. Maybe you do, uh, but if you do, it's probably got kind of a little bit of a tweak to it, <laughs> right? If your sister is a doctor, you call her sis or Sue or Jill or you know, whatever her name is, you call her by her because she's your sister. And that relationship takes priority over every other thing. Within the church, those, those relationships, those, those dis, the, the worldly things that make us great, they're not significant anymore. What is significant is that we are family. We're not an organization with social classes and strata and, and, and so on. We are a family and we are the same. But, but more than that, we're, we're not... Uh, excuse me, we're not what we were before. We have changed. We have become something different. When you think of your life before Christ, and, and some of you, like me, have to go back a long way to think of your life before Christ. Some of you, it may not be a long distance at all. But regardless, as you look back at your life, do you almost sit in wonder at the difference between the you who you are and the you who you were? Because is it, is it, it can be stunning to think about. And the funny thing is, is he doesn't, change us forcibly into something we don't want to be. We have our same personality. We have our same mind. We have our same, uh, I want to say same character, but I want to, you know, want to be careful about that because sometimes we think of godly character and ungodly character. But, but you know, the, the things that make us us are still there. Sin never makes you what you are. It, it, it's, it's part of what you do. It, 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 it is the symptom of who you are. But, but your character, you know, if you are a joker, before you're saved, you're probably going to be a joker after you're saved. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh, man. <laughs> you know, if, if you are a serious person before you're saved, you're probably going to be a serious person after you're saved. Those things don't change, but uh, so much changes. You know, and, and you might shake your head and just laugh. 
I tend to be a laugher. I, I, I think of what I am, and I just go, oh, man, <laughs> I was such an idiot. You know? <laughs> and I start describing things I did, and it's like, wow, I can't believe I did these things. But, but you may uh, become a little bit more serious and think about regrets of what you've done. And you maybe even feel shame when you think about what you've done. You go, I, I, when you think about who you are and who you were, and you look back to the things you were, the, the, what you were, the things you did, and you, you actually, you know, I, I think about that. I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about my bad driving record and what a horrible driver I was as a young man. You know what I am so grateful for? I'm so grateful I never hurt anybody. Because I, I sure could have. Right? I could have easily killed people. I, I just, I, it's, and, and when I think of that, it's like, I, I am so thankful to God that he protected me from the damage I could have done, as well as protecting other people from the damage I could have done. But I would, I would be living with that now. You know, as it is, I live and I think about what I did and I laugh and I say I was an idiot, but I get to laugh because it didn't have some of the consequences it could easily have had. Right? Some of you maybe feel shame. And by the way, I want to tell you something. Shame is not a bad response. Let's flip a little bit to the right. Uh, first Cor or Romans chapter 6. I'm sorry, to the left. Got to remember which hand is which. Uh, a little bit to the left, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 talks about the things we have done and the things we are. I'll start at verse 20 and read verses 20 and 21. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. And I think Paul is writing out of his personal experience. I think Paul, when he looks back at what he had done, he is ashamed. I mean, think about Paul. He was a persecutor of the church. He chased people down to imprison them. He voted for their, their, their beatings and even deaths, if we understand his, his word that way, if that's, if that's what he was saying by some of the things he said. And uh, shame is, is not a bad thing to think about. You don't need to carry the shame today. Because you are made new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. All things have become new. And you are a new creation. And you don't have to carry the shame today. But as you think of what you did, you think of it as a shameful thing. And, and, and you remember that. The point is, you can look back on who you were because it's not who you are. And you can, you can see a delineating point, a clear point of transition from where you were to what you are. You are different and you are better. You are better than what you were. The, uh, and you consider the change in your life. As you consider the change in your life, as you think about what you were and what you are, and you recognize how much better you are compared to what you were, and how grateful you are for the different you you are now than you were then, does that cause you to feel pride or does it cause you to feel humility? Because it should not cause you to feel proud because you did not make the change. Jesus Christ made the change within you. And you should be humbled because you recognize what he has done in you and for you. You should not be proud. It's not like you said, you, you, you woke up one day and said, with determination, I'm going to be a better person. And by the way, part of that is, I'm going to be a Christian now. <laughs> At least if you did, I'm sorry, I don't want to tell you this, you did it wrong. <laughs> That's not how we come to Christ. We don't come to Christ with our determination to make it better. We come to Christ because we are failures, for lack of a better way to put it, and we need him. 
And he takes us and makes us better. And that should produce in us humility. It should not produce pride in us. And if you are proud of it, then then you're missing something. You were on a track. Your life was on a course. We, we don't recognize it this way, but the way we set, set our lives is as sure as a set of railroad tr- cars. It's not like a road where you can make turns left and right. You are on a track, and you are following that track. You are following that course that you have set your life on, and, and something changed it. And I wonder where I would be. I, I sometimes am, am just, I look at myself, and I look at what I was doing when I was 18. And the course my life was on, and the direction I was taking, and what my values were. And I know I'm projecting a long ways back. <laughs> but I was on a course going that way, right? And, and, and I would still be on that course. What would, what would I be like after 40 years on that course? I wonder, who would I be? What would I be doing? What would my life be like? And I am so grateful for what he did to me, or did for me. I am am just so glad that I was not left on my own. Uh, And I didn't change because I made a decision to do better. I had nothing of the sort in my mind when I came to Christ. Uh, Maybe if I had made a a determination to be better, and and my, my changes in my life were a result of that, maybe then I would have room for pride. But it was not my doing. It was not my determination. It was Jesus Christ working in me, and I'm in, instead I'm sitting left, left to sit in awe and wonder, why in the world did you choose me? Of all the people on this planet, God, why in the world did you choose me? A sinner. I, was, I don't know if I would say I was a, happy, a determined sinner, but I was a happy sinner. <laughs> I, was, I was not yet paying the consequences of my life choices. And I was happy with my life. I was a happy sinner. When I got drunk, I was a happy drunk. <laughs> and I wonder, why did he save me? And when we consider what he did with us, what he called us from, we should respond in, in deep humility. Uh, because look at verses 26 to 28. Not many of us were impressive. For consider your calling, what you were called from. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen to nullify, uh, and the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. That, that are. Uh, not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. And I think if he had put this, if he was writing this today, he might say something like, not many movie stars, not many politicians, not many athletes, right? Not many celebrities of the different sorts. He, he might say something like that. And, and of course, movie stars and athletes and celebrities can, can and do get saved. That's not what he's saying, but he's saying not many of them. Most of us, I mean, I'm not saying they can't be saved, but look around us. <laughs> <laughs> Not many of us were that, right? I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know your history. Maybe you were that guy. Okay, so that means one of us, or maybe two of us, were that. Not many of us were those people. Not many of us were the impressive people of the world, the ones that people want to know, the ones that people want to follow, the ones that people want to hear what you tweet. I'm thinking, why would I want to pay attention to a tweet? <laughs> it's, my, my mind just has a hard time grasping that. Obviously, I don't. 
Most Christians today as then are just unimpressive, normal people. I don't want to insult you when I say that, uh, but that's us. And what we find is this is part of God's plan. If Christianity was a faith for special people, and you're special, you're a snowflake, just like all the other snowflakes out there, right? Who's lying? Who am I? When do you say that? I'm quoting somebody here. But anyway, John. John's the snowflake guy, yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the second syllable. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> if Christianity was a faith for special people, then people would be able to think they got saved. God chose them because they were special. Now, we are special to God, but we're not special because of us. We're special because of him. We're special because of his choice and what he does with us. The source of the special in your special is God. It's not you. Uh, it, it is God. Uh, God is, is not insulting us in choosing ordinary people. He's taking the special out of special people to nullify the things that are. It's not specialness that makes any difference. God is not a respecter of persons. He looks at us and he sees, he sees kings on equal footing with peasants. He sees celebrities on equal footing with normal people. He sees rich on equal footing with poor. Those things do not interest God. I'm not going to say he doesn't care because he cares about us, but they are not what he is looking for when he looks at us. He looks for something else. He's not insulting us. He's just saying, saying God is saving normal people. You wise people out there, your wisdom is not enough. You strong people out there, your strength is not enough. You wealthy people out there, do not be so foolish as to trust in your wealth. Sounds almost like a song we sang a few minutes ago, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a reason for that. You know where he writes, uh, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Guess what verse he's quoting? <laughs> Jeremiah 9.23. Let not the wise, or let, how's that, let not the wise... I have to, you know, every time I hear that verse, I want to start singing. <laughs> Drop somebody's paper. Let not the man, wise in, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Let not the man wise in his heart, glory in his own wisdom. Let not the man mighty in arms, glory in his own strength. Let not the man of wealth in the land trust in his own treasure, but let him who glories, glory in this, that you understand and know me, meaning... God, right? What, what do we have to glory in? What do we have to boast in? It's not us. It's him. It always has been. This is not an interesting thing. We find this, and we're reading this in 1 Corinthians, and he quotes Jeremiah. You want to know something interesting about the scripture? Is every truth in that is not a new truth. It may be new to us as we stumble across it, but every truth in there has been true from the beginning of eternity. And we're just discovering it. We're little scientists discovering what God's word has to say with us. You noble people, your nobility is not enough. God can save the despised people. God can save the noble people. But the nobility does not save the noble people. And, and the despicableness does not condemn or, or rule out the, the, the despised from, from salvation. God, salvation is not about us or the things about us, but about God. He nullifies the things there are. There are many impressive people out there, and we seem to like to be impressed by them. 
That's why they become celebrities, because for some reason, people want to know what they're doing. They want to follow their lives. They care about these people out there. And uh, again, for me, it's hard to understand that. But, you know, today just happens to be Super Bowl Sunday. And, and it's like, it, it highlights that. The sportscasters are going to be out there, and they're going to say things like this. He has got the best arm of any quarterback I've ever seen. Right? And they're, 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 it's all the superlatives. They're making it the best, the biggest. There is no other quarterback on the field like him. Did you see that defense? It is the best defense in the history of the NFL. And you will hear, I guarantee you will hear this word today, if you listen to the Super Bowl, historic. The, everything is historic. And at some point you go, how many things are being saved for history? And how far down does the history go? Because I don't think 100 years from now it's going to be something they talk about. Right? It's, it's like, who was the... Uh, uh, vice president of the losing party when uh, uh, um, Theodore Roosevelt became president. <laughs> it's like, you know, the vice presidential nominee. It's like, I have no idea. Well, it's historic, I'm sure. It was written down. People voted for the, for the guy. He was a big name, but it's like, what possible? It's not historic. But people like to say that. We like to, get, we like to be impressed by ourselves and by each other. And we like to say things like that. Uh, on the day we stand before God, none of that will mean a thing. The greatest athlete will have no edge over the disabled person when we stand before God. The sophisticate and the socially inept will be on equal footing when they stand before God. The only thing that will matter is whether Jesus is standing with you or not. It's the only thing that will matter. Nothing else. So, so, so let no man boast before God. And of course, no one will boast before God. That is a ridiculous picture. But the time to realize that is now, not then. Right? The time to realize I don't have room to boast before God is now. Of course you will not boast when you are in the presence of God. You know, the ant does not boast before the elephant. <laughs> uh, he boasts before other ants. And when we are in the presence of God, we will not boast. But recognize that now and remember it now. And when I say remember it now, it's because we are so easily full of ourselves. And, and, and it's, it's, it's wrong, but it's the way we are. And, and so we get to Jesus is our boast. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. It is by God's doing that we are in Christ. It is not by my doing that I am in Christ. If we will give credit where credit is due, it goes to him. I cannot take credit for the change that he wrought in my life. It is absurd to think that I could. It is absurd to think that I would. And if I start boasting in something about myself, I am utterly foolish. Let's boast in the one who gave the gift, not in the one who received the gift. He becomes to us wisdom. He is a stumbling block and an offense to those who reject him, but he is wisdom to those who are being saved, and he became our righteousness. In, a, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 64, he says, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Right? All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Picture that filthy rag. That's your righteousness. And you're trying to clean yourself with that, right? You're trying to clean yourself with your own righteousness. So you have a filthy rag to start with. Can you wash, can you become more clean washing yourself with a filthy rag? 
I guess it depends on how unclean you are. <laughs> Maybe that filthy rag will still actually make you look better. But it will not make you clean. It cannot make you clean. It is filthy. And that's our righteousness. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We are unrighteous. We try to clean ourselves to be, up to be presentable before the holy God. And, and all we have to display is, is, is our very unrighteous righteousness. But Jesus became our righteousness. And Jesus perfect righteousness washes us and makes us clean. And God sees me as righteous not because of my righteousness, but because of his. Jesus has become my righteousness, right? What do we see there? Uh, he, he, is, he became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification. I love the word sanctification. It means holiness. The word sanctify and the word saint and the word holy are three very different sounding words in English, but they're all the same word in Greek. Or they're all the same root word. It's hagios, which means holy. And, and it's fascinating to think that when God, the, word, the word translated saint is hagioi, means holy plural, <laughs> holy ones, right? And the word God uses to describe his people is the same word he uses to describe his spirit. And you go, whoa, <laughs> how did I get in that league? How did I get classed with the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you what, the answer is not me. When God looks at you and, you and me, and we're in Christ, he sees holy ones. He sees us as holy. He became my sanctification. He became my holiness. And because you have come to Christ, you are made a saint, one of God's holy people. And people, again, when, if, in fact, if you looked up saint in the, in the average dictionary, it will say something like, a person who is really good. They won't say really because dictionaries are more sophisticated than that. <laughs> but, but a person who is very good, one who, one who strives to attain righteousness, one who is, is holy in the sight of others. And it's all about a person being good and doing good. Because the world cannot define saint. <laughs> I am not a saint because I am good. I am a saint because I am in Christ. Now, because I am a saint, I should try to be good, <laughs> right? A saint, here's, a, here's something really deep. I hope you can handle this. A saint should be saintly, <laughs> okay? Uh, re remember that. You heard it here. Nobody else was foolish enough to say such an obvious thing. But a saint should be saintly, but we're not saints because we're saintly. We're saints because Jesus Christ is our sanctification. He is the one who did that for us. I am not my sanctification. If I was, I could boast before God. Yeah, you know, all these other people, they needed you, but I made it on my own. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He has become my redemption. Right? What do we see there? He became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And, and in, in modern English, again, redemption is what you do with a coupon. Right? You get your coupon, you redeem it, you get 50 cents off on your can of beans or whatever. Right? That's, that's modern redemption. That's not ancient redemption. Ancient redemption is I was sold into the slave market. I was sold as a slave. And I was bought back out of slavery. That's ancient redemption. That's the redemption he's talking about here in Scripture. And I did not buy myself. What do we read in that passage in Romans? It says, when you were slaves of sin, 
right? You were free in regard to righteousness. Righteousness didn't matter. It didn't affect me when I was a sinner. What affected me was what worked best for me. You know, it, 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 what was right is if, it, it was after, if, if righteousness worked well for me, then righteousness was what I used at the time. But if righteousness didn't work well, then I used what did to meet my goals and accomplish what I want. I was free in regard to righteousness, but I was a slave to sin. But I have been redeemed from that slavery to sin. We are redeemed. We are set free from sin and free to live for God. He has become my redemption. I sold myself into slavery. I needed to be redeemed. I could not pay the price of my redemption, and Jesus redeemed me. He has become my redemption. Now, who am I going to brag about? Right? Now, when I, when, every time I say I, by the way, I hope you're thinking I, <laughs> not you, but I, right? Me. Because while I am honestly talking about me, I'm pretty sure I'm talking about each and every one of us. I'm pretty sure the things I'm saying are applying to each one of us. And we recognize our need for him. And so we come back to Jeremiah 9.23, which I just happen to have here. <laughs> Let not the man, wise in his heart, glory in his own wisdom. It doesn't say he's not wise. It's saying that's not his area of what he should be boasting in. And I thought, not, not, let not the man... Mighty in arms, glory in his own strength. It doesn't say he's not strong. Let not the man of wealth in the land trust in his own treasures. He has treasures. It doesn't say he doesn't. What it says is those things, don't boast in those things. Let him who glories, glory in this. That he understands and know me, knows me that I am the Lord your God. Don't be so foolish as to glory in yourself. Glory in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you have done for me. And Lord Jesus, you are God. You are my rock. There is no God but you. We praise you. We thank you. We boast in you. In Jesus' name, amen.